start your weekend. Saturday Breakfast with Matt Webb. Cambridge 105 Radio. So, I'm really looking forward to this interview for two reasons. I have actually got two people in the studio with me for the first time since February 2020. Uh, there we are. It's Rosina Piavani and Chris Hudson. They've come in to talk about their upcoming stage show depicting the story of Captain Matthew Webb, the first person to swim the English Channel. And I have to say I'm proud to share <laughs> the same name as him. Rosina and Chris, thank you for joining me on Saturday Breakfast today. Thanks, Hi. Matt. Thank you for having us. So, first of all, Chris, just tell us a bit about Captain Matthew Webb for people who may not be familiar with him because um, he's quite extraordinary, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the the feat that he undertook to swim the English Channel, he was the, the first person to do that. Um, and just to kind of give you a, a sort of taste of how extraordinary it was at the time, I think there'd been a few people had attempted it. Um, maybe they'd, they'd been in for a couple of hours and they'd you know, then got on a boat and realised they hadn't managed it. No, they, they, they couldn't do it. Um, it took him 20 two hours just about um and nobody had even come close before and it took about another 40 years before the next person managed it so yeah absolutely extraordinary achievement at the time um and then i mean i personally i think the the most interesting part about his story is what happened after that because swinging the channel it was so extraordinary at the time that he became pretty much the most famous person in the world really popular and he he tried to capitalize on that um but the problem is with channel swimming it's not the best spectator sport so trying to get think of ways for um to make money out of people watching him swim what they came up with were things like um, he spent 60 hours in a tank of water at one point at the Royal Westminster Aquarium and people would just come and watch him but he wouldn't be doing anything very interesting he'd just be trying to conserve energy for 60 hours Um, there was a, a long distance swimming championship of the world which was comprised of five people from Great Britain, uh, typically. Um, that was held over six days, 14 hours in the pool each day, but that would just be watching five people swimming up and down for potentially 14 hours a day. It wasn't very interesting, so it was kind of diminishing returns after that. Um, and the the stunts and exhibitions got kind of more outlandish and, and desperate, really, so... It all led up to him trying to swim the whirlpool in the rapids at Niagara Falls, and that's how he died, just eight years after his um, channel swim. Yeah, you think... Really sad. Back in 1875, when it took place, that must have been a huge feat... To actually yeah. do something like that, because you, you, there was, you can't imagine. Well, nowadays you'd have support boats and all manner of people sort of supporting him. Back then, that wasn't the case, and uh, he was pretty pretty much alone for a lot of his journey. Well, there was, there was a support boat that accompanied him, um, but of course the the captain knew about the tides in the channel, but he didn't really know how to translate that into okay. So at, at this point, you want to be swimming in this direction, um, you know, and, and nowadays most people swim the channel using front crawl whereas he used breaststroke Mm. so and he wasn't the fastest of swimmers either um he was very sort of steady and he had great stamina but he wasn't a fast swimmer so he probably missed the 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 kind of ideal tides for for you know the, the best optimal channel swim um he ended up being blown massively off course and he didn't actually end up at um Cap Grisnay, which is where most channel swimmers sort of land in in Calais. He was blown about three miles down the coast. So uh, there's a there's a kind of map of 
what was thought to be his route and it he swam apparently about 40 miles and the channels i think just over 20 miles so he was you know it's a you don't you know swim a direct 20 miles it's it's actually a lot longer than that and you touched um, upon some of the training that he had to do i mean that must have been pretty intense back then as well yeah i mean there was um one swim he did in training he swam to the van boy and that's about 10 miles off folkestone apparently um he swam a um swam down the thames to that was when he was trying to get a trainer he'd, he'd just approached this guy um oh what was it? uh momentarily forgotten his name but he, he approached yeah that's it professor frederick beckwith um who was a, a great swimming trainer and um swimming promoter he he just said i'm going to swim the channel and of course this guy thought well who's this uh, who's this guy I've, I've never heard of him you know but he's ever going to swim the channel um but um so he he said okay come with me to to the thames we'll we'll row down the thames and watch you swimming and see how far you go and um yeah eventually he just kept on swimming and swimming and Beckwith eventually said, right, just get out, because I'm not going to watch you swim anymore. <laughs> I'll take you on. <laughs> exactly. Probably not believing that he'd actually, you know, be successful. Um, and the actual crossing were two attempts. Yeah. The first attempt didn't, didn't work, because the weather conditions were really bad, and they had to turn, turn back, turn around. So the second attempt was the successful one. So he even was uh, strong enough to attempt it a second time, not get defeated. Yeah, I mean, we also touched upon, just before we came on air, um, his name, as of course he's called Matthew Webb, and I didn't think that he would have probably had his name abbreviated to Matt, but you told me that he did. Yeah, apparently his his wife um, referred to him as her darling Matt. Um, that may just have been an affectionate name that, you know, between the two of them. Um, I don't remember seeing anything else in, in what I read that shortened his name to, to Matt. Um, I know a nickname from his sailing days was Chummy Web. <laughs> Apparently, I had no idea <laughs> where that came Chummy from. Web for me. <laughs> <laughs> you can pass that on at home if you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Rosina, just tell us a bit about this um, show that's happening yeah. to, um, to sort of depict his life, because he's an extraordinary man. Yeah, so the show is called Nothing Great is Easy, and I think the, the title is self-explanatory. Um, so Chris, Chris wrote it and presented it to me um, back in 2019 and said, I want to do this one-man show that I've wrote uh, that I've written and I want you to direct it which was really flattering and um, we had worked together before we had directed each other before um, so well he, we started working thinking that it was going to be on uh, last year in 2020 but then obviously it wasn't and we did it this year in the Corpus Playroom back in the end of July and we had a really good run it was very successful I would say and now we are doing a, a one-off performance at the Ely Library as part of the uh, Library Presents program. We were very lucky, um, fortunate to be selected by the program. So it's on the 4th of December and it's at the Ely Library and it's sold out. So I can't tell people to get tickets, but I can still tell you about the play because the idea is to to tour it. So we're con we're continuing uh, trying to get venues and trying to get places to do it and there's been some interest so we are kind of uh, hopeful um, and one thing that I want to remark is that this is a one hour show one hour and five minutes to be precise and Chris has uh, done and is doing a remarkable job 
because it's is one hour that you don't lose your attention. It's very dynamic, obviously, thanks to the direction. No, but uh, I think Chris is Chris does a really really good job in terms of um, portraying this this guy Matthew Webb, um, and it's, it's it's something that people at the end say, "Oh, it's been an hour. I, I can't believe it." I thought, you know. I didn't realise that time went by so quickly. And the crossing is there, obviously. But then, as Chris said, all the aftermath of the crossing and this this attraction and this, this interest that he got is there. And it's really interesting to see what happened afterwards. So, so Chris, why did you choose to do a one-man show for Captain Matthew Webb? Did you just find his story encapsulating? Or were there, was there a sort of like a connection to swimming? What made you do that? Well, I think the idea of doing a one-man show came to me a few years ago. I'd, I'd had a run of directing um, big cast Shakespeare plays for about three years in a row. And um, I just it was such a hassle to organise. I mean, I, it was a great experience when it got to performances. I loved what we'd created, but it's a lot of work trying to organise about 20 people. And I think something must have clicked in my mind and gone, wouldn't it be wonderful just to have a show where it's only myself I need to organise? How easy would that be? <laughs> um, I mean, there are, there are other challenges with it. Um, um, so I was I was looking for a story to do a one man show about, and then I do a lot of outdoor swimming. Uh, that's my my other passion apart from theatre. Um, I swim all year round. Um, I just love the the out you know the outdoors, the connection with nature, and um, uh, so I read quite a few books about wild swimming, and the the story of captain webb came up on the um, recommendations from amazon um so there's a book called the crossing by kathy watson um which is called the glorious tragedy of the first man to swim the english channel and i read the, the blurb about that and thought that sounds potentially very interesting got the book and i thought that's the story because it it wasn't just the story of a great achievement there was also this i suppose cautionary tale of the perils of fame really but but uh, and you also get a really interesting insight into the world of victorian sports um you know the way that there was there was sort of betting involved and um you know the the kind of competitions that were put on um you know before it was properly kind of codified and before there were protections in place for the swimmers um and the kind of characters involved actually um you know the web's uh, rivals some some fascinating stories about some of the people that he swam against um i mean the the his biggest rival wasn't actually really a swimmer he was a a chap who was trying to promote this rubber life-saving suit um, that had been invented. So the idea was that if you were on a ship that was sinking, you could put on this rubber suit, inflate it, there was a paddle, and you could paddle yourself to land. So this um, this guy, Paul Boyton, who was an American, he decided to publicise this by trying to cross the channel in it. And this was before... It was in the, actually in the same summer that Webb had his first channel crossing, but Boyton got to it before Webb, so he kind of stole Webb's thunder for a little bit. Um, it took him 24 hours to paddle across the channel in this rubber suit. Um, but then, you know, when Webb did it without the aid of a rubber suit and a paddle, it was, you know, it kind of outshone what Boyton had done. But he became... Webb's great rival in a way um, but he was a lot more of a confident self-publicist and, and Webb wasn't so good at the, the promotional side of things um, so yeah I, I just found the, the story fascinating because it was a kind of a you know, rise and fall and mm. this cautionary tale 
Um, it's really interesting mm. and it goes into his personal life as well um, his marriage his kids um, how he tried to maintain his family by swimming you know financially as well and also the motivation and the, the, the support that he got from his wife uh, so it goes into a lot of topics that are very relatable to, to day, nowadays life I think and the fame what do you do with fame um, how do you how do you cope with, when you're the most famous person in the world? Because you know, if he, if TikTok would have been there or, or you know Instagram, <laughs> he would have had millions of followers. So that, exactly. that's the the you know the kind of parallel to 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 now to to this day life. So yeah, it's very it's a very interesting story. And and as soon as I read it, well, I said yes to directing it before reading it actually because I knew it was going to be good because I trust Chris Chris's work, but. Then when I read it, I thought, yes, this is going to be good. But it was a big challenge as a director as well, because obviously it's a one man show and it's a one person talking throughout the whole thing. And there's no special effects. There's no, because that's what I like as well in theatre. I like uh, a theatre that's based on the work of the actor and this the set is practically bare and there's a little bit of props and things that we use, but that's it. And there's no changes in costume. It's all supported by some lighting and some sound effects, but that's it. And then it's all on Chris and his work as an actor. So it was a real challenge for me as a director to support his work, to make it interesting, to not make it boring, or and to, to enhance the best bits of the play and the life of this wonderful man. So it was a really good process, I think. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realise um, when it came to the actual Channel Swim, there was a, there was a short film made a couple of years ago, um, which our very own Tobias Bound starred in, actually, yeah. as an extra. And it kind of, when you go back to that sort of time, it, everything seems so, it feels like a world away compared to today. Yeah. And yeah. you touched upon <clears throat> the fame side of things. There would be no television back then. There would have probably been a, possibly been a newspaper or some, yeah. some sort of written publication. And that's yeah. probably all he would have actually got recognition in back yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah, but still people managed to to know about him because when he went to places he was recognized and he couldn't believe how he was recognized. So people somehow, you know, the word word by mouth or through the newspapers, they used to they 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 knew about him and they recognized him and they were continue trying to touch him, you know, as a proper celebrity. Mm. Is um it's very funny to think that that could have been today. Yeah. So, really I, interesting. I think he was a a trailblazer as well, you know. To, to do that when there was no nothing you know not what we know now about sports nutrition for example and correct training methods and I mean he, oh, yeah. he um, on the morning of his channel swim his breakfast was bacon eggs and claret you know which <laughs> well, uh, sounds good to yeah. me <laughs> yeah not for a, not for a 20 hour swim though <laughs> And he, he was kept going by like coffee and beef tea and brandy and and beer. it's actually thought now that yeah beer as well it, it, it's thought now that um, alcohol actually um, reduces your resistance to cold when you're when you're doing swims like that um, so yeah now it's it's um, very scientifically uh, devised you know uh, um, energy drinks and things like that that mm. swimmers use when they cross the channel um but he did use uh porpoise oil to, uh, to provide insulation um and i think that that's kind of continued now you're allowed some kind of grease i don't think they use porpoise oil uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says he resembles a bit of a, a seal 
I don't think they'd get away with it, would they? No, no. (laughs) Maybe it's not allowed. I'm not sure, really. But yeah, he says something about the the smell of the oil. Yeah. It was a bit, um, it was was carrying people off, actually, with a smell. But once he got in the water, he provided the the insulation needed to actually, you know, go through such a feat. Yeah. Well, it's a remarkable story, and I'm personally proud to share the same name. Yes, you should. This is the reason why um, the interview seems to have taken place. Once again, it's happening at Ely Library next Saturday, but tickets have now sold out. If people want to find out more information about future shows, if you're going to be taking it on the road, how do they get in contact with you? So they can go into the Historionics uh, Facebook page. So Historionics is the the company that we are uh, putting this show uh, from. So um, they can go there and they can find more details or yeah, yeah histrionics is history history rather than histrionics if you see what i mean okay so it's the history onics yeah and we've so, got a facebook page i'm i'm on instagram at chris swims and acts it's my instagram <laughs> handle of course he is. <laughs> i'm an instagrammer too i don't even remember that's how instagrammer i am i think it's rosina p06 so you can find me there as well Brilliant. Chris, Rosina, thank you very much for coming in and uh, the best of luck with the performance next um, Saturday. Unfortunately, I can't attend because I haven't (laughs) got tickets and I'm not available, but I will definitely, if you're taking it on the road, I'd love to come and see a performance personally because, um, yes, I'm proud to share the same name as him. So there we are. Thank you. We'll let you know. know. Thank you, (laughs) Matt. Thank you very much.